Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. So glad you joined us today for another discussion on leadership, learning those small things about leadership that make a massive difference in the future. And with me today is Brian Souter. Welcome. Thank you. Great, Great to, to be have, here. Great to have you here. Now, we're going to eventually, Brian, talk about a revelation that you have. It came out in a book on, you know, you call it being hungry for God on fasting. But let's get to know you a bit. Talk okay. to us about you. Talk to us about where you grew up. Talk to us about when you first had an encounter with God. What did that all look like? Well, when I was in high school, we pro I was, I kind of grew up in the church world and in a few words, I got bored with it and yeah. uh, didn't see any kind of relevancy between church and what I saw as Christianity sure. in real life. So I was kind of always going with the flow and whatever the crowd was doing in high school, that's what I was sure. doing. And uh, until my probably my junior year of high school it was really a search, I would say, a search for acceptance. So mm -hmm. whatever I needed to do, whatever group of people I was with, to gain their acceptance and approval, that's what I would do. Right. And so you can imagine what behaviors that oh, led sure. to, depending on what group of people that I was with and, and, and so forth. But uh, I, um, uh, in my, between my, in my junior year, I met some young men in high school, just sitting in the lobby before school. And uh, I was, um, I was confronted by them because they were not looking for approval. They uh -huh. had, and I found out later it was because they had God's approval. Sure. And they confronted me and, and were just with their security of knowing that they had God's approval. That's kind of the long story kind of boiled down. But uh, This is all in high school. This is all in You're high like school. like 11th grade, 12th grade? Yeah, yeah, 11th or 12th okay. grade. 11th okay. grade. And, and as, I, as I was, um, you know, getting to know these guys a little better, I did respect them because they were secure and they were confident and athlete and and just they just knew where they were going and 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 so as i got to know them they invited me to go to a bible study okay which i grew up in the church but sure. i didn't really have a you know a category for bible study i wasn't yeah. interested in that at that point in my life and uh um, so I found out they invited me to a Bible study, and the, it was called Rhema, and the guy who was teaching at the Bible study was Larry Kreider. I remember <laughs> that. I do. So I remember the first time one of the guys picked me up on a motorcycle, and, and he, you know, we're buzzing across the backcountry roads of Pennsylvania to this Bible study, and I'm, like, holding on, and he's buzzing, and I'm <laughs> holding, and we get to the Bible study, and I'm like... And uh, that's and it was over that period of time then, as I attended that Bible sure. study, for the first time, Larry, I was confronted with the Lordship of Jesus. I never, it was probably there, but I missed it growing sure, up in the sure. church. But I, I was confronted with the Lordship of Jesus, and that really got my attention because I knew I wasn't under the Lordship of Jesus. Right. And so you were teaching about victorious Christian living, the Lordship of Jesus, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, getting free from darkness and all of those things. Sure. And this was all like, I was like a deer in the headlights. I right. was like, uh, <laughs> wow, I was just a little bit overwhelmed. But I took it seriously. And I spent a lot of time 
considering counting the cost. And because uh, I knew enough that having grown up in the church, that if I did this, I wanted to do it 100%, which was the Lordship of Lordship Jesus of message, Christ, which right. was what you were teaching. And so I knew I couldn't just be a church person. I knew I had to be a 100, 100% Lordship of Jesus person. So I honestly kept going to the Bible study. It was probably a year later until I committed my heart wow. to the Lord. At one of those Bible studies, I was getting mm -hmm. closer and closer. And... Um, Finally, one time, I, I just knew, and I, I bowed my knee, and God, whatever you want, wherever you want me to go, whatever yeah. you want me to do. At that point, I was on my way to college at right. Penn State and yep. studying engineering. I'm like, man, if I'm going to be a missionary, Lord, that's fine. Whatever, wherever you want me to go. And that so, was yeah, the start so of my spiritual So good to life. hear all this, because people see your life. You're an author. You travel to the nations. You're training leaders. You, know, you, you, you lead this major leadership school, all these things. But just to know where you've come from is really, really powerful. So you went to Penn State and kept growing God. You're going to be an engineer. And so, I mean, you've got all the training to be an engineer, but you're kind of an, a kingdom engineer today, engineering things of the kingdom. Talk to us about what happened. Well, uh, about, a month, uh, about a month after I made Jesus the Lord of my life, I um, went along with uh, a group of people who were... In a, par in a local park here in, Pen in Ephrata, Pennsylvania, and yeah. they were street witnesses. Street witnesses. Right. And so I went along with this group, and I remember this is so humorous now as I look back, and I actually know the par person who actually goes to our local church, but the leader of this street outreach in the park, or street evangelism, uh, his name was Carl, and, and so he's asking everybody, we're preparing, we're breaking up into twos, the Bible says go sure. by twos to evangelize, and he's asking everyone, um, so everybody here is baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? And he's going around looking at everybody, and he comes to me, and I'm like, no, I'm not baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he just like rolls his eyes like, how can you evangelize if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit? I've never heard this story. Spirit? I've oh, known really? you all these yeah. years, I've never heard no, this no, story. No, no, this is absolutely true. And so Carl is just like, Issuing a moment of disgust, like, you're not baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he sends everybody else out and off evangelizing. And I'm like the problem child there, you really? know, not baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he goes, well, do you want to be? And I said, absolutely. I've been hearing it from Larry Kreider for the last two years, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he goes, well, uh, yeah, I'll pray with you now. And I, he prayed with me. Sure. And I received the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I remember... I, I didn't have a, a huge impactful like fall over or speak in tongues right away, but, but this just, it was just like he prayed for me and that was it. And I didn't go evangelize. I just walked around that park like it was a new world. Wow. Like I just had a whole wow. new world, everything, you know, somebody might say I was high, like the greens were greener and the <laughs> orange was more orange. And I was just like in a new spiritual world. And, and that experience changed my life. Wow. And being baptized in the Holy Spirit, then after that, I started to to kind of unpack all these gifts of the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit, and and uh, of course, and now I got involved. There was that original Bible study uh, spawned off other locations, right, and right. then as one of those was spawned off, I got started to get involved in yep. leadership. I, well, it wasn't really leadership. I just started to go, and they said, "Hey, we feel like you can come early and pray," and I'm like. Sure, I guess I can come early and pray. And I said, sure, I'll help. However, I just want to, I was just excited to be there, right? Sure. So, so um, uh, I started to go early to pray and they said, well, can you set up chairs? 
I can set up chairs and a little bit later, then could you just be around to pray with people afterwards? Well, I guess I can do that. And then we'd like you to make announcements. And so just little by little, they kind of, not secretly, I knew what was happening, but they kind of just kind of raised me up on, and then eventually I'm on the leadership team and we're going to leadership retreats with the team and we're praying for direction. And that was kind of how I cut my teeth on leadership. leadership. Was just by doing and just really by showing up and, that's and being willing. It's such a key for leadership. People say, "How do you get involved in leadership? How do you grow in leadership?" You just whatever's open doors open before you, take one step at a time. Yeah, and, and giving people opportunity mm-hmm. to grow in leadership. Now, is this pre Penn State or was this after Penn State? I got involved with uh, this Bible study, which was actually it was called Lancaster, which is town right. here in Pennsylvania, and. Um, I, I got involved before I went to Penn State and then each summer and when I come uh. home for college breaks I'd be involved and and so this ministry grew and kind of really had a lot of an impact on people and uh, um, I, I I got water baptized one night because um, I, had, I had been baptized in the church but realized that you know growing up in the church sure. I took the classes and everything and like wow it didn't mean anything to me at the time so maybe I should be water baptized so we went out to a, pond, a farm pond one night <laughs> afterwards, and there's car lights shining out all parked around this pond. And, you know, we're out there going under the water at night and coming up in these, you know, wow, like all these That's bright amazing. lights are shining. And uh, so then I would just help with this ministry while sure. I was, when I would come back from breaks and, sure. and over summer and really genuinely look forward to it. Probably look forward to that more than engineering at that point. Yeah. But I, but the Lord did continue me on in engineering. Right. I was just like, well, I'm going to be a Christian business person. Sure. I'm going to get involved in business and, and make money and contribute and support the cause of the gospel. And, and uh, so that was my like path going through college. Okay, now we're going to get into the real reason, you know, that we're having this conversation that is fasting and the role of mm-hmm. fasting and leadership, the role of fasting in life, all that. Yes. But just take, let's go one more step ahead if we could before we get, get into that. Uh, so then you came out of Penn State and you were looking for a job. Mm-hmm. So what happened? What happened? Well, I, I really I really wanted to be involved in Rama and Dove, which was right. Dove Ministries, which was starting at that right. time. So I, I kind of limited my job search to like this kind of geographic area here in South Central Pennsylvania. And I was looking at opportunities and I actually took one opportunity. It was kind of in where I wanted to go, but not quite. Mm-hmm. And it was this in the early days of Dove and Raymond, things were just exploding. There was this exponential growth. And, and right around that time, uh, there was a need for someone in to work with high school mm-hmm. ministries mm-hmm. and to help with some of the early Dove churches stuff. Like there was foundation teachings and we're not very complex. It was just like, start the video and yeah. ask afterward if anyone has any questions. So right. I just started part time rather than I kind of said, well, I'm going to get the business thing is maybe somewhere down the road. Sure. Um, for now, I'm just going to get involved in ministry. So uh, I started to get involved in Rama Youth Ministry and also in Dove Christian yeah. Fellowship International in the early days uh, with all those practical things. I remember we in, in Rama Youth Ministries, there was the vision to go and pray for all of our local high schools. Remember that? Yeah, I do. I and, do well. uh, you know, so I was just showed up and willing. And sure enough, it was you, Larry, who said, why don't you lead all these prayer marches around? It was kind of the idea was a Jericho march around I forgot all these that. different, different high schools. So I'm like, okay. So we coordinated around 18 high schools. And then 
after we had, you know, took a half a year to get everybody together and get around to these pray over these high schools. And then afterwards, it's like, okay, now let's start ministries at each one of these schools. So that was like we launched into that and raised up leaders. And, and even today, some of those leaders are some of my closest friends that yeah. were involved in those high school ministries. Mm -hmm. and, um, and my wife, who I met yeah. through one of those high school ministries as well. Uh, there was a lot of core relationships that came out of that time of just doing ministry, learning ministry, making mistakes. Is this really making a difference? I don't know, but we're going to do it and just go for it. And then, so in that next season, then we had, um, I think at the height of that, we had high school ministries in 11 of those wow, 18, I didn't know it was that 18 high schools. Yeah, one was a middle school too. Yeah. We had high school mm -hmm. and middle school as well. Yeah. So that's kind of how I kind of caught the wind of yeah. being involved in so it was and on, leadership and, and ministry. And you were learning as you were going, learning just step by step yeah, by step. Yeah, very much. And you're involved both. And we had a new church plan, of course. It was crazy in a good way. It was all <laughs> yeah. people coming to Christ and the church was growing. And at the same time, we had this youth ministry alongside and high schools and Bible studies. And I mean, you really were involved in, in, in both of those at that right. time. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Now, totally. you, you before, it's, I keep thinking of important things before we get into fasting. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, okay. And that is, you got involved in, in missions then. I mean, you made some mission teams. Tell us about that well um yeah with, that was just part of the vision was uh, i'm under lordship and the gospel goes to the local world but it also goes to the international world and uh especially probably more than anything we were involved in scotland and and europe some but more than anything in those early days was brazil and we yeah. started to go with teams uh and eventually leading the teams to brazil again i started out as just a team member and like, can I do take the pictures and be the photographer yeah. or just whatever yeah. needed to be done? And uh, so we went to northeastern Brazil and uh, started to interact with some young people there. And there ended up over a series of times, there was a man of peace there who had favor in the community. And then we had youth teams and we just did not all that, you know, big showy, not big crusades. We just played soccer with these Brazilians, which, yeah. of course, they, you know they were way better than any of us. So they always beat us, which I guess was good. Maybe they maybe <laughs> liked us because they could beat us at soccer. But eventually there was this kind of mini revival and then a one, uh, at one outreach where we were in a park and a club and there was uh, a young man, one of the Brazilian young men who, um, a cry went out and he was found under the water. There was a swimming hole there yeah. and, and they found him at the bottom of the swimming pool hole. Yeah. It's like a uh, kind of natural swimming pool right, fountains right. and stuff at a, at right. a, like a country club there. And uh, so the cry went out and, and we're all like, wow, this guy's he drowned, he's dead. So they pulled him out and then a bunch of us just started to pray for him and, and nobody knew how long he's been under the water. His name was Volmir. Yeah, I just remember, I remember this like it was yesterday. And so some of us were praying, or, you know, praying for him and we're prayed every prayer. We knew, you know, the prayer of confession, the prayer of command, or, you know, prayer of intercession. Mm. We just prayed everything. We tried, you know, we tried mouth to mouth. We tried to heart punch. I mean, just everything. And as we kept praying, as we persevered in prayer, um, he started to cough. And, and then the water came out and, and he came back to life, of course. And he, um, they took him to the hospital. He was days in the hospital, but he fully recovered. There was no brain damage Praise and so God. forth. But the day after that, about 15 or 20 of those young people gave their lives to the yeah. Lord that day because yeah. the spirit of death was broken right. and, and life was, was just introduced right. into that valley, the valley of the Kadadi. And, and, and it was amazing because 
two or three of those young people that got saved that day are now pastors yeah. of the churches that grew out of that. Yeah, you know, two of the people that came to Christ. I was with three weeks ago. Oh, I wow. In, I was there in Bogota, Colombia, and two, two of the people who came to Christ through that miracle of that young man raised from the dead uh, were there now pastoring, you know, leading churches, starting churches throughout northeastern Brazil. Yeah, amazing. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, amazing. So uh, we want to get into your revelation of, of fasting. fasting. Right. You wrote yes. this great book, Hungry for God. Uh, we want to get in, get in, into that. So I know you. I mean, you've served in so many levels of leadership. You oversee all God's doing. Canadian churches of the Duff family. Mm-hmm. You know, you've served when I was senior pastor. You were an elder in the church. I mean, on and on and on. But Talk to us about when you first began to get a revelation of fasting and, and learning the importance of fasting. Sure. Talk to us about that. Sure. I um, I was just kind of hungry for more of God, and I started to get um, like I, I started to get at least some inclination that fasting would would kind of, would take me that direction. Right. So so what what I did was I read this autobiography by the, of a man by the name of Mahesh Shavda. Okay. And um, I knew he was somebody who just had a really supernatural ministry, a lot of healing, uh, a lot of supernatural manifestations during his preaching and teaching. And, and so I was attracted to that because I was hungry for more of the supernatural presence of the Lord. So I'm reading Mahesh's book. This is about 1995. I'm reading Mahesh's book and um, you know, sure enough, he's talking about all these miracles and signs and wonders and everything, and he gets to a part, and he says, oh yeah, and I go on two 40-day fasts and two 21-day fasts each year. So I started, I'm like, I, like my head, I might, like my jaw just dropped like to the table or to the floor. I was like, what? I started counting days, like two times 40, 80, two times 42, because I, I thought like that sounds like not eating more than it is eating. Right, so, right. But I realized that, no, it's not. It's actually about a third. But I realized like, okay, there's a reason that this man sees all this supernatural stuff, and I needed to up my game. And that was the first time that I really had a revelation. And then out of that, I, I realized that I felt like the Lord was telling me to go on my first 40-day fast, and that was 1995, and I felt like I should do like something smaller first, which was I right. encourage people today, exactly. just start bite-size. You know, if you never fasted at all, try a three-day fast or a seven-day fast and eight, you know, in different numbers. And and uh, so that that's what I did, only I, I had done a little bit of fasting. Maybe the, the longest I had fasted up to that time was like a week. And, okay. um, and that's with a lot of, uh, when I first started fasting, I had a lot of thick, liquids, you know, whatever I could put in a blender, hamburgers, and, you know, Coca-Cola, and just like whatever I could drink somehow, you know, I was doing that. And, uh, but then I thought in 1995, I went on a 21-day fast, and, and, I, and I, I survived, and it was good. And I heard the Lord more clearly, and I, I just started to get stuff from the Lord, and I realized that, yeah, God was telling me to go on a 40-day fast. And uh, so in 1996, I did my first 40-day fast. Wow. That's how I got started. Wow. Since that time, I've done a lot of fasts of different lengths, not yeah. only 40, but uh, 21. And, and in the book, I actually explain more about, you know, an eight-day fast or a 12-day fast. Sure. They seem to have different significant truths that go with right. that or, or, or like, you know, uh, a certain revelation that goes with uh, those, those different numbers of fasts and yeah. so forth. But I, I, that was, I mean, since that time... 
Uh, I always tell people, I wish I would have started fasting earlier in my Christian life. Really? I tell people two things. I wish I would have started fasting earlier in my Christian life, and I wish I would have started financial investing earlier yeah, in my Christian yeah. life as well, because I used to think it's not that spiritual. But anyway, that's <laughs> not our topic for the day. Uh, we're talking about fasting, and, and so literally, it's hard for me to imagine what my life would be like without mm. fasting and prayer, because... I have seen so many breakthroughs, so many revelations, so many insights, mm. so many mm. uh, just ramping up of the spiritual gifts in my life uh, uh, through seasons or times of fasting. That it is that's totally the truth. Sure. I, I, it's hard to imagine what my life would yeah. be like without yeah. what has happened or how I've changed sure. through prayer and fasting. I like to say, you know, Jesus in Matthew six, he talked about prayer. And then he talked about fasting, mm-hmm. and he also talked about giving, but mm-hmm. he talked about fasting mm-hmm. as separate from prayer. So I like to think that fasting is a multiplier for mm-hmm. prayer. Like it, you have prayer life, but then when you add fasting, it multiplies, and uh, there's a supernatural power that is mm-hmm. that is released. And, I've heard you say already that fasting is like a wordless prayer. Okay, sure. Talk to us about that. Yeah, yeah. And and I have, what as I've gone on extended fast, which are long periods, you know, 21 days or 40 days, I started to feel bad, like, well, I, I, I have a job. I can't not show yeah, up at work. Sure. I'm not a monk in a monastery right. sitting on a flagpole that right. just has <laughs> had 10 or 12 hours a day to fast. I'm like, how is this? Like, I'm still going to work. I mean, it seem, doesn't yeah. seem very spiritual, even though I'm not eating or I'm just drinking juices and water now. Um, like, And then I, I like to read... Uh, I like to read, and I quote many times in the book, modern day people who are teaching on fasting, but I also like to read and uh, uh, of some of the old time yes. guys, like in the 40s and 50s and the 60s, sure. who learned truth in fasting. And in the 50s, there's this uh, gentleman by the name of Franklin Hall, yes. and he... I was reading one of his books, and uh, which is just amazing material, and I quote him in here as well. But uh, he said this. He said this thing that the fast becomes a wordless prayer, uh-huh. and that really helped me because. Now I started to realize that it's not about hours per day that I'm praying. But when I start a 12-day fast or a 21-day fast, it's like the whole thing becomes holy. Like all 21 yes. days. Yes. And it's, it's almost like a sacrament, like communion or baptism. It, it becomes a spiritual experience. So I'm on a journey now with the Lord for those 12 days or those, those 40 days. And it's really not about how much more I pray right. or if I'm on a flagpole or if I'm on the assembly line or writing, you know, writing or right. doing some job assignment or preaching or whatever. Um, it, it really set me free not to have to be praying because the whole prayer, the whole fast becomes a wordless prayer. And then you're on a journey with the Holy Spirit mm. over that time. And one of the things I like to do is I like to just get a legal pad and, and I just kind of have a log. So mm-hmm. for that 12 days or that 21 sure. days, I'll just put day one. And if I'm struggling, I'll say, man, I feel really weak today. I yelled at the kids. Oh, it's yeah. terrible. I'm getting worse instead of better. I'll just write mm-hmm. that down. And, 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 and then, you know, oh, but this scripture came up and oh, somebody called me and offered, a, you know, an opportunity to do this. And so I just do a log all the way through. Uh, all the way through the fast, kind of how each day is going. It's not really even a diary as much or, or, or a journal as much as it is just a log of yeah. of kind of how I'm sure. feeling. And uh, so that's how I do like a, a wordless prayer. And right. just, it's the whole experience right. with the Holy Talk Spirit. Talk to us a bit about the process. I know for me, 
it, you know, you get into three, four, five days, it gets it can get really hard. Yeah. And then right. after that, you know, things change. I don't know, toxins leave your body or what happens, mm -hmm. but things on the, from a natural perspective even things seem to change. Talk to us about that process a bit. Sure. Um I struggle with that because it seemed like in the first few days, as I mentioned, that I'm actually getting worse rather than yeah. getting better. Like, because yeah. I'm, oh, I'm on day three and I just got a speeding ticket. I'm like, yeah. I feel terrible. <laughs> like, seriously, like I'm supposed to be getting more spiritual, but I'm getting worse, you know. But it, it always is like what you said. And I've come to look at it a little bit like this, like in the beginning, like there's this cleansing process. Yeah. Now that's happening physically with your body, but it's also happening spiritually that's and right. mentally and emotionally. And it's kind of like the junk is getting squeezed out of you. I like to use the example of a, a tube of toothpaste. So if I have anger in there, usually on the first three, four, five, six, seven, eight right. days of a fast, like that toothpaste gets squeezed and whatever's in there, that anger comes out or mm -hmm. impatience or, or whatever it is, it gets squeezed out. So I always caution people, A lot of I think a lot of Christians sometimes just do that first part and they never really get to the good part because right. once literally is the honest truth once you get past that part you don't get hungry anymore like like what you kind of get into a zone where hunger leaves and right. and now you're kind of into this zone and 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 literally like in that period of the fast is where it's like where all the good stuff happens and right. I mean I, I hear a lot of things from God sometimes on the first day of the fast I almost always get something significant from the Lord. Sometimes yeah. a check in the mail, sometimes a phone call. And I think mm -hmm. it's just maybe the Lord just saying, yes, Brian, sure. you're on the right track. Sure. But then there's still that kind of grunt speed bump part right. of the fast where it's like, oh, I feel bad. I'm, you know, my body's not cooperating and, you know, this or that, or I might feel weak or whatever. But once you get past that, that portion of the fast, then you get into this, this more um, kind of zone where hunger leaves and 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 once you're in that I like to be around food all the time I many times cook for my family or, or sit down and we sit down and eat with my family Amazing. and they're eating and I'm not and I'm just listening to the conversation it's amazing what you miss when you're eating because there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of dialogue that goes on around there and uh, so so then if you're going to 21 or if you're going to 40 that's the most significant time where, yeah. where you really go deeper and right and uh, there's another uh, gentleman that I studied um, from Cameroon and he he would say it this way he said Surface fishermen catch f smaller fish and they catch a lot, but the one who's fishing for a whale yeah. has a greater reward. They have to go deeper and get a greater reward. But when they catch that whale, it's worth ev all the work and all the effort that went into it. And that's, I believe, a little bit more how you uh -huh. feel towards even the middle or just towards the end of that fast. And um, of course you lose weight. I mean, I, I, in the book, I try to be very practical, uh, yeah, you know, on a kind of water, part, partly, mostly water is what I do now. Uh, fast, you know, you'll lose as much as a pound a day up until like kind of like the middle then your metabolism slows and and then you I mean you might lose on a 40-day fast you might use lose 17 to 20 pounds in the first 20 days and then only five more yeah. in the in the last 20 days It's interesting. Yeah. It's just amazing how your body yeah. functions and you get to know that I remember times when you were fasting and I'd check on you after about 30 days and say are you okay? You know, <laughs> you make sure you, you know, you're drinking water, you know, you're okay you're getting juice or whatever. Yeah uh, 
this book is fantastic. You know, I've read a lot of books on prayer and fasting, and Hungry for God, an inspirational guide to fasting. It's so practical. It's inspirational. And what I love, one of the main things I love about this book, Brian, and it's just your heart. I mean, you come, first of all, you're a practitioner. You've lived this. So you have a lot of authority to write and to teach mm-hmm. on this, number one. Uh, and, and number two, it's it's just so practical. It's so pra- And I feel like it's compelling, and yet it, there's grace on it. Like, you, I, I don't, I, when I re- read this book the first time, I didn't have this condemnation. I'm not fasting enough. I just feel like there's grace. Yes, this is something God's saying. This is mm-hmm. a provision, an open door that God's given for us to experience blessing and wisdom and all those things that he has for us. The other thing I want you to speak to us a bit about sure. is I remember times when I fasted and when I was getting toward the end, uh, I, I got really hungry and I couldn't wait to eat, okay? And then I would eat things I shouldn't eat and got, got okay. sick. Right. Talk to us about that. Like, how do you come out of a fast? How do you end a fast? Yeah. Right. Oh, good. I have some very specific uh, guidelines that I've learned over a period of time because I have had that same experience of just coming off the fast and it's actually can be quite dangerous. You can en- end yeah. up in the hospital if you're not if you're not careful. Um, so at the end of the fast, um, let me just comment as well. As you're approaching the end of the fast, I uh, sometimes at the end of a long fast, I kind of have this like, hmm, it's going to be over now. I'm kind of like have a yeah. sadness that this sure. time with the Lord is sure. over. But it quickly leaves when I start eating again. It's not a problem. <laughs> right. I've never had a problem regaining the weight that I've lost on a fast. I it's hear you. Never a problem at all. <laughs> and uh, But what, what I do and what I've learned from some of these other practitioners and ones that I've studied is that you want to have like small meals a few hours apart. And I mean small meals, like one piece of bread. And then a couple hours, you know, or even start with some, some crackers, and and uh, and then maybe three hours later, one piece of bread, piece yeah. of bread. Maybe three hours later, a little bit of yeah. soup, a cup of okay. soup. Maybe three hours later, and just like eat, yeah. start in increments, sure. and then just up up that a little bit more complex, like maybe some whole vegetables or cooked vegetables, and uh, and then eventually uh, maybe a, a, a you know kind of simple sandwich, and 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 a little bit really soft, like you have. Uh, like, you know, just uh, uh, soups and cottage cheese, stuff that's mm-hmm. really easy to digest. You want to mm-hmm. stay away from meats, stay away from cheeses and all mm-hmm. that kind of thing that's mm-hmm. hard to um, hard to digest. And um, and then literally within two or three days, I mean, you can be back to eating a full meal of hamburger, steak or whatever, you right. know, chicken, whatever right. you're used to eating. But you have to just be do that gradual thing for those at least two days and, and then your your system will start to it gets awakened, your metabolism mm-hmm. awakes. The other thing is I like to exercise. So in in the time I'll exercise a few days after the beginning of the fast, but then I you really should not have um Let's see, it's aerobic exercise where you, you know, your heart rate mm-hmm. gets up mm-hmm. high. So on a fast, I'll go for like a long, slow walk. Okay. It's still good to get outside, to get fresh yes. air, to be yes. moving and so forth. But as soon as I start eating again at the end of the fast, I start to exercise again. So what happens is it helps to awake your metabolism mm-hmm. and, and you start to burn calories again as soon as you start eating. So that helps. It helps to just kind of put things back mm-hmm. into normal. The mm-hmm. other thing I would say, and I forget, I think this was Franklin Hall who said this. He said, if you go on a 21-day fast, then your body needs 21 days after that to recover. Oh. Or if you go on a 40-day fast, then your body needs 40. So whatever the length is, like don't start another one right away right. Or, or just give your body a rest before you start thinking about uh, fasting. fasting. You look again. back in your life and the many times you fasted, prolonged fast, etc. Any stories that stand out to 
to you of, you know, breakthroughs you saw? Oh, my, so and many. I know there are. Is there anything that would stand out that would be helpful to those who are learning about leadership? And I mean, fasting is a key for leadership, and that's why mm -hmm. I appreciate so much you took time and joined me today. Mm -hmm. um, I have, I mean, just, oh, yeah, there's so many, but uh, I think on my first 40-day fast, something that really, um, really caught me into this as mm -hmm. a, just a spiritual exercise, spiritual experience that I wanted to just incorporate in my Christian life. I love Mike Bickle says, fasting is Christianity 101. Yeah, it's like, I agree. You know, and Jesus said, yeah. you know, in Matthew 6, he said, when you fast. That's right. I mean, it wasn't when you pray about fasting, <laughs> if you fast, when you feel led to fast. You know, I mean, he just said when you fast. Yeah. So it kind of integrates it into the mainstream of Christianity. Right. Like, so right. so if there's a fellowship meal, it would just be natural after mm -hmm. church. Oh, here's a table of people over here that are not eating because they're fasting. Like, it's just a normal part of Christianity. And so what? one of the things that kind of showed me that was after my first 40-day fast, uh, I remember we had a big, our Dove's big international mm -hmm. conference, and and I had maybe just a little beginning of a prophetic gift and was learning to mm -hmm. prophesy. At that gift, at that conference, which is just like you know maybe a month or two after my first fast, or or, or, or at a short time afterwards, I started to prophesy over people, and that gift just got catapulted sure. up in in the level. And I, I for the first time I prophesy over someone, they start to cry, and I'm like, yeah. wow. Like something changed, something happened, and I knew, like I knew then that there's more available. Yeah. That that there's you know that this thing would would unpack and, um, and 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 so many times uh, I've seen financial breakthroughs. Many times I've seen opportunities. Uh, uh, I like to try and fast sometime in January, in the mm -hmm. beginning of yeah, the year. That's uh you know to do some kind of fast and and uh, many times uh, I just I notice that opportunities come my way and and. For me, it's a lot of a fair amount of time. I have a whole chapter in the book on financial breakthrough. Mm -hmm. Like those opportunities or those those revelations, or those breakthrough have to do with some financial mm -hmm. concern that we might have, or funding a, a ministry or a vision, mm -hmm. and and so forth. So. I, it, it's not uncommon at all, as I think I alluded to earlier, to, to get a check in the mail on the first day of the fast. And, mm. and there's always seems to be some kind of, uh, you know, a amen from the Lord. Like, yeah, Brian, I want you to do this and this is going to be good. Uh, you know, people oftentimes say, do you enjoy every day of fasting? And I can't say that I enjoy every day of fasting. I've had a few weekdays and I've had some times where I've been sick. You know, now I'm fasting, right. I got a cold, I feel miserable. And right. I'm like, wow, should I stop? What am I doing? And, uh, but uh, I like to use the example of, like, I, I like to go to the track and run. And the same person could ask me, do right. you enjoy every lap right. around that track? Well, honestly, no. But I always, always, always like the way I feel when I'm done running a mile or two. I always like the way you feel when I'm done when I'm done. And I would say that about fasting. I always, always, always like what I see, the results mm -hmm. after I'm done Beautiful. fasting. And that's to say there are many experiences uh, that are significant. Um, breakthroughs and, sure. uh, you know, many that I could speak well, of. Well, great job in this book. I've told you many times already, and I'll say it again, that of all the books I've read on fasting, this is my favorite. Wow, it really, great. It Thank really, you. really is, Brian. It's practical. It's, it, again, it comes with the authority of God that's in your life because, you know, you're living this lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I've known you for many years. I, I know it. it's it's so, so good. Any last, any, any for those who joined us today in, in our conversation, mm -hmm. our discussion on leadership, because the reason I wanted you to talk about this is 
is I feel like fasting is a key component to healthy leadership. Mm. And I yeah. know you don't often hear that, but I think that's really important. And some type of regular fasting, no one, we are not saying everyone must do what you do. We're simply saying it's in the Bible. You said it well. Jesus didn't say if you fast, he said when you fast. Mm -hmm. So it's part of life. It is, I agree with Becca, what's 101 Christianity. Any anything further you want to give us, you'd like to share with us before we close our time? Today? Well, I, I would. Uh, I have, and when I talk about the lengths of the fast, I spend some time on a three-day fast. Okay. Because uh, if you're discipling someone and they need a breakthrough in their in their discipleship, addiction, whatever it would be, pornography, anything mm -hmm. like that, the three-day fast is really powerful for helping someone you're discipling break through, oh, wow. like a smoking or just anything like that. Uh, the three-day fast is really significant because there's some times in the Bible where people mm -hmm. the three-day fast. Paul, you know, from the time that uh, he saw the Lord till his eyes were opened and uh, this was it was a discipleship it was a new fast so that is a leadership aspect um, to me as well I feel like leaders have to have vision they have to be able to see over the horizon they have to be able to see down the road and and when I I have amazing experiences while I'm fasting but when I'm adding up and looking mm -hmm. at my log from from at the end of a fast I have an, always have a number of things that are looking down the road mm -hmm. things and, and I had uh, um, one time I was fasting and uh, I had a lot of responsibilities. I was feeling overwhelmed and and uh, I was overseeing different things. And I went, it was a short fast, a seven-day fast or, or something mm -hmm. like that. I was just feeling like, man, I just need to get refreshed because I'm just kind of getting burned out or what's going on. And so I went this seven-day fast and the Lord showed me specifically a ministry that I was supposed to lay down and turn wow. over to someone else. And, wow. and so I did within the next mm -hmm. month. That meant someone else took leadership of that ministry and, and it just kind of, mm -hmm. it was the extra thing on my plate that wasn't mm -hmm. supposed to be there. So that discernment came through fasting. As a leader, something I was leading, yeah. I needed to turn, it was time to turn yeah. over to, to someone else. Yeah. And then there's always those things that are that are that are down the road, over the horizon for next year. Uh, we, we oftentimes talk about lag when we're talking mm -hmm. about fasting, which is again a term from Franklin Hall. And uh, Franklin would say this, that you don't, you see a lot happen on the fast, but there's always things that happen after the fast is over that were birthed while you're on the fast. So you might do a 21-day fast, and then a month later or three months later, something happens or an, an a breakthrough comes or an opportunity, and you just kind of have a sense, oh yeah, like I think this started back on, on that time. And, and so I think when you're fasting, you are key, it keeps your ears tuned into the Lord and it keeps you looking down the road mm -hmm. and to seeing where the Lord is having you and the people that you're leading as well. Brian Southern, Hungry for God, excellent book. Uh, highly recommended, Inspirational Guide to Fasting. Thanks so much for leading the way and going before so many of us in this, in this whole area. Uh, and thank you for joining us today. We're so glad you've joined us today as we, again, have this discussion on leadership. Today, seeing the vital role fasting has in the life of a leader who's going to be used, used by God in major ways. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com.